This week on the Magnificently Huge podcast, Dave created a maze. No, Mike created it. Mike, Mike made a maze? Oh no, I got it right the first. It was Dave. Dave, Dave made a maze. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crab all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. This week, I decided to have everybody watch this movie that is on Amazon Prime right now that came out shortly before the pandemic that is pure creativity. It is a box fort movie, which is a genre that has not taken off yet because I just made it up doing this intro now. Uh, you should watch it. It's fun. Uh, once you watch it, give this episode a listen because we're going to tear into it. And once you 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 have listened to that, you got to tell us what you think because there's a lot of different opinions to have on this movie. It's all over the place, but really fun. Not like most art movies where it's all over the place and you're like, ugh, I need a nap. No, this is all over the place and fun and interesting and cool, and it's a wonderful movie. And check it out. We did. Here's us talking about it. So I'm Eric. I'm Chris. I'm Brian. That's and us. We're magnificently huge, and I've got a story for you this week. It's, oh, it's yeah? a story of it's called "The Last Days of Me on Grand Theft Auto Online." Um, <laughs> oh, so I I got a a a deal using like points I had on Microsoft to get three months of um uh, what is it X not Xbox the I guess Game Xbox Pass. Gold not the Game Pass but just the the online connect with other players thing. Which is I would this, never. By the way, is this for. is this fresh shit, Eric? Is that what we're doing? No, no, no. It's a story before oh, we go in. Okay. Though okay. you just said the word. Rewind that one. So now it is. Rewind it. Na- it okay. it is now. <laughs> uh, okay. Nah, let's call it fresh shit. Fuck it. This shit is fresh. Oh shit, it's fresh. This stuff is real. Oh yeah. So go for three months, and and it was about to expire anyway, and I'm like. I don't know. Do I want to pay for this? I do come on here a lot. I mean, I, I I was playing GTA Online a lot, and I was, you know, not it was not bad, but it's like you you constantly get griefed by assholes. The day before, the thing is going to cancel. This somebody on an MK2. If you play the game, you know what that is. It's a it's a tool for shitheads. Uh, is just 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 <laughs> just squatting over me and just constantly killing me. And no matter where I go, he follows me. And I'm like, what is this dude's deal? So I look up his game card, and it, there's a picture of him. Uh, an overweight fella standing next to a big, like, bud of weed. And so I write him a comment, and I say, oh, you're fat. Okay, this explains your behavior. You're getting back at me for all the bullies who beat you up. He writes back, he's like, fuck you, dude. I was the bully, and dude is spelled... D- d zero zero d and it's like very it's it, it's text speak but i'm yeah. a i'm an asshole and i also have the little thing for my controller that has a keyboard so i can actually write complete sentences and thoughts and it pisses people off because 
their dad mm-hmm. is basically you know bugging out on him and so he, he 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 writes so i write him back and i go oh no 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 you do you do you i understand you you know having man boobs is not an easy thing if getting past that involves griefing me you go for it He's both, he writes back i'll fuck you up see, and i write him back see that's what i mean you need to find a channel for all of this so you don't keep eating pizzas and uh i'm like waiting for him to write me back and it's nothing's happening and i know he's writing something long now because it's taking a real long time and i go nah fuck this guy so i block him and so the last thing he heard was you know me saying he had man boobs and you know has a problem hooning pizzas down his throat <laughs> and with that i was like that is a i feel gross now having interacted with actual people because i right. know that this person is like the average you know you uh uh me brian and chris we're above average we're we're we're, we're better than it's just inescapable right <laughs> in a jordan peterson kind of way we are above the fold these are the actual you know like 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 without them we'd need robots to run our uh our wendy's you know what i mean um so having talked to him i'm like i don't need this anymore and i let it run out and so now there's this guy out there who 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 needs a bit of exercise who is griefing twice as hard on grand theft auto and is probably gonna have a heart attack in the next 10 years i'm okay with that part but i don't like being involved you know i know i feel bad that uh that you 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 were forced into fat shaming someone on an online universe and then had to stop playing the game that you like because it made you feel gross. That's, is that the well, I didn't like the story? It. Yeah, okay. I realized I don't like it. The game, Grand Theft Auto is not even that good of a game. It's just, it's, it, it, it's what it would be like if, you know, Los Angeles was uh, 1980s Beirut and everybody had high-tech <laughs> weapons and everyone was trying to like grease each other. It's like, is that's not fun and that's that's it's the reason i hate online gaming in lieu of actually creating a game you're going to rely on all of the people to create the game for you the and the Mm -hmm. experience you get when you rely on the average person is just everyone killing everyone else everyone trying to humiliate everyone else it's like fuck you ah well you know i don't know what you should have done eric you know what you should have done it's just yeah. come back with, I'm on Smoko. So leave me alone. I'm on Smoko. Oh, yeah, so that was awesome. <laughs> so let me set the scene. It's two in the afternoon at 34 degrees. The Queensland harsh summer heat. I'm me sweating buckets up and down my street. Because there I spied the bloke. Perched atop of his milk crate throne. He eyed me off as I approached. And then he said, I'm on Smoko. got to talk about that uh that's part of my fresh shit if you want uh yeah go because i ran because i randomly just fell into this finding this band called the chats from australia and it's a song from like 2017 called smoko which is about a douchebag that just bothers people on smoke break and keep keep keeps getting the same reply from everybody i'm on smoko so leave me alone (laughs) and it it's you to a T when you do your Australian accent, Eric. That's what made me laugh so hard because it's literally just you 
being an Aussie for like three three sentences. My Australian <laughs> accent sounds like it's horrible until you hear someone from Australia and you realize, yeah. no, Australians have the worst Australian accent. Yeah. Well, and this guy's like, he's he's like Queensland or something. So it's, you can tell he's not like Sydney, Australian. He's like elsewhere. But it's just like, it's just, it's a really driving baseline guitar riff thing. I mean, it's really stripped down like pop punk stuff. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, but it's fun. And it's like, it was April the 23rd, 35 degrees. Let me set the scene. He was sitting across his milk crate throne. <laughs> it's just like literally him like bugging everybody that's on break. And they're like, fuck off, dude. I'm having a smoke break. And that's the whole song. Uh-oh. But all their songs are something along those lines. Like I've been drunk in every bar in Brisbane, I think is another one. They've got one yeah. uh, that's a tribute to ACDC uh, being an Australian band of stature but even the chorus it's like it's my second favorite band so they're not even singing about their favorite australian band even though it's acdc i mean it's just really cheeky stuff but they're called the chats and i would highly recommend it as just a good diversion if you're on spotify or wherever and, you get your music and i think they are probably like the, the it, certainly in a long time they're the best punk rock i've heard because it is absolutely you know what it should be stripped down oh, yeah. very fast doesn't you know not 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 consumed with quality you know no and they're very <laughs> cheeky uh that's their main vibe which is i appreciate yeah. that's very much like uh like the dead milkman or bands like that where it's like they're not there to be serious punk rockers they're there to just have fun and uh make your day enjoyable i mean that's their vibe yeah. and it's so much fun but that dropped me into a rabbit hole where i started getting all these algorithm suggestions on youtube and such for other oh bands of Australia and New Zealand and whatnot. Um, and one that keeps coming, I don't know if you've heard them, are called Amel and the Sniffers. And they're a little bit more serious-minded, but it's that same sort of Australian lilt to the singer's voice. And she's very uh, Wendy O. Williams from the Plasmatics kind of a vibe. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's just in your face. But they're, they're fun. But she's also got that very distinctive Australian uh, drawl to some of her singing. So I would recommend that. But then Roundabout took me to New Zealand and it's a band that's apparently been around for a good five or six years. And they're called The Beths. And they are so good because it's they're it's hard to explain, but they they have sort of a like a, if the Sundays did pop punk like faster paced guitar rock kind of stuff, that's kind of what mm-hmm. you get. And like one of her big songs that I guess was on all the time a couple years ago is called "Future Me Hates Me." <laughs> <laughs> all about like if you if you make enough mistakes your future self is going to hate you for everything you put yourself through that kind of thing uh and then another one called i'm not getting excited uh and they're just like really good you know solid pop songs with some crunch guitar and very melodic and uh 
very good. But if you see them do live stuff, like they had gone to South by Southwest or whatever, everybody always brings up the songs like, you know, Future Me Hates Me. And like, what's that about? It's like these like young college rock journalists. And the, the lead singer, I can't remember her name, but she's she's the songwriter of the, the band. And she's like, um, I don't know. I really hate answering that question. I don't know how. I'm not very good at this. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, that's literally every time they ask her about her song. She's like, I just I don't know. <laughs> can I just play it? <laughs> it's kind of what she's telling yeah. people. And, uh, and then they play it. And then of course it's really good. But, uh, but that's my new find of the, the week, the Beths and the chats. Uh, just, <laughs> could I just see the play it? <laughs> can yeah. you get out of my face? <laughs> yeah. Well, plus they're, they're from New Zealand. So they're very sort of awkward and polite. Yeah. As, as New Zealanders are, are want to be. And it's just, it's fun to watch. Cause like you can tell they're annoyed, but at the same time, they, they're just culture doesn't allow them to be totally in your face dickish about yeah. it. So they're just like, they are the forgotten Island nation. Yeah. I don't know how to answer that. Sorry. Uh, so <laughs> it's, right. been a, it's been a good uh, week for music. I'm on, I'm on Smoko. Leave me alone. Smoko, leave me alone. I'm on <laughs> uh, and then if you don't mind, I have on one Smoko. more movie suggestion if you like. Yeah. Uh, oh. following, following up on last week with, uh, our streaming debate, uh, Hulu, is still kind of making it interesting and they've got one it's total fluff entertainment don't get me wrong but it's still very entertaining and brian i think you would like it because it's very much like a video game movie if there was a video game to base it on okay Fuck. that i don't know why you think that makes me want to like it but go because, on because it's fun <laughs> uh but it's called the princess have you seen any trailers for this thing i i've only vaguely heard of it go on it's, it stars joey king who apparently was in something. I guess she's in Bullet Train now. But it's sort of like Rapunzel meets Die Hard. And so it's just this ass-kicking, high-body-count fight movie where the princess wakes up locked in the tower and basically uh, fights her way to the bottom to save her family. And it's just literally Game of Death written in reverse. And she just mauls her way through everybody because she knows how to do swordplay and just hmm. fight and whatnot. And it's just a balls to wall like Atomic Blonde, where it's just a, a, a woman kicking ass across the board. And it's just so, that's literally the whole movie. I mean, I would go into it further, but it's just every five minutes is basically just a good fight scene uh, that's fun. So it's basically the raid, but backwards. Like she has to go from the top of the building and get out. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, just like all like swordplay, beheadings, arms coming off, blood everywhere. And, uh, and it's like a, like that scene the in Atomic, yeah. But it's like it's seen in Atomic Blonde where she's in the building, fighting her way through the working away up the stairs. Dudes. Yeah, it's that, but stretched over like ninety minutes of just this ill-defined medieval world. Uh, but Dominic Cooper is the bad guy, you know, the preacher, uh, if you know him from that. And then Olga Kuryanko is the like the nasty hench person uh, who hmm. was the the Bond girl from. Uh, Quantum of Solace. She was in Oblivion with Tom Cruise, that sort of thing. So, uh, it's it's just fun. It's like its whole purpose is just to be entertaining, and it and it it succeeds wildly. I was so not prepared for it being any good. I just I just sat down to watch it because I wanted <laughs> something to just veg to, and it actually was entertaining. So that's my recommend for the week on Hulu: The Princess. Rapunzel meets Die. All right, you could do mm. worse. You could do so much worse than you probably have. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh yes, we have. Yeah. Eric, you said GTA wasn't your fresh air. What do you got? 
uh, oh, oh, boy, I am, I am, I am caught off guard. Yes, on Netflix, uh, there is a a a a mini series called Clark, which is about a Swedish gangster that is so delightful because unlike a lot of sort of biography mini series, this one is surreal. This one is funny. This one doesn't take its subject oh, seriously. Okay. And it goes weird. I mean, there's a part where he is driving through the uh, uh, countryside in a stolen car, and there is a moose in front of him, and he he yells out, what the fuck? And they cut to the moose, and the moose says, what the fuck? And then he swerves to miss. That's the kind of silliness we're talking about. It's (laughs) cartoonishly wonderful. Um, It's, yeah, it starts with the life of crime of uh, Clark Olufsen who is, I guess, the most famous Swedish criminal, and he is the person who gave rise to the phrase Stockholm Syndrome because of the people he had hostage during a bank robbery. And he's so personable, everybody just kind of ends oh, up loving him. okay. I know what you're talking about now. Yeah. Like, Bill Skarsgård is the, you know, the particular Skarsgård uh, son that's in this Swedish movie. Uh, he's yeah. the one who is the clown in It. Um, not really anybody I know, but a lot of Swedish actors, but it's really good and it's really funny. And it's, again, it doesn't get morose. It doesn't take too long. It's just a thrill ride. I love it. Okay. okay. I think you is should watch like it a, like right now. A series on Netflix. Like how many episodes is this? Uh, let me see. A hundred, uh, right? That's their typical. Mm. It's one, two, two, five, six. Oh, that's okay. That's not bad. Yeah. The, the, uh, the, the, the name of the first episode, again, to give you an idea, being the best at being the best was not my thing. So I decided to be the best at being the worst. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, you had me at Sarsgard. I'll be honest yeah. with you. It's, <laughs> it's really wonderful. And it's, it's even worth watching, uh, uh, dubbed because, the the actual actors can do the English parts, including Mr. Skarsgård, and so you don't need to read it. It's okay. still good. There's a whole sequence in there where they do Saturday Night Fever that is fun to Swedish music. Um, I don't know. Like, I can't say enough good things about this. What is Swedish music? How does that sound? Like, sounds like every like pop single square. you've heard for the last 10 years. <laughs> like, like Barbie Girl by Aqua? Is it that vibe? Uh, it's kind of budget ABBA. Okay, budget ABBA. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, it's Clark. like Eurovision, Chris. <laughs> yeah. Okay, <laughs> just go with it. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Anyway, right. don't what watch the Gray right? Man. Watch Clark. Um, <laughs> the Gray Man. Oh. <laughs> God, what else was there? Oh yeah, I watched uh, Dispatches from Elsewhere, which is a series from a couple of years ago. Um, which. It feels like pandemic uh, um, TV, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. it predates it. And it's Jason Siegel's mm-hmm. most sort of self-congratulatory, fucking masturbatory pile of nonsense. It starts off really okay, good. Okay, wait a minute. All Jason Siegel things are <laughs> like self-congratulatory. Yeah. This, this oh, is the most? It goes worse. <laughs> oh, you would not believe. Maybe it's worth watching just to get to the last episode and go, are you goddamn serious? Uh, <laughs> it's so That's this literally is based on a, the flow through for everything I ever watch. That's what I hope to get yeah. to. Yeah, yeah. It's somebody who 
who thinks all you need to do is do meta and suddenly you're interesting. It's like, no, no, no. It's more than that. Meta is a tool. It's not subject matter. Um, (laughs) Subject matter. It's okay. It's based on a a documentary called uh, the Jejun Institute, which was this game people were playing in San Francisco. I haven't watched the documentary yet. I ought. But uh, so, so these people in this show, they're playing this odd sort of hipster game, hide and seek, travel around the city, find weird shit kind of game. And uh, oh, okay, yeah, it's one of those augmented reality yeah. uh, deals, or yeah, what was the actual term? But yeah, I know what you mean, right? Um, and they're they're yeah, running around the city game. doing this thing, and it's like maybe the the sort of the hint they're giving you is that. Maybe the game is real. Maybe there's a larger thing going on. Mm-hmm. It turns out there's not. That it's just, you know, like a few characters who have problems. And uh, Jason Siegel is the one with the biggest problem in his head. And then the last episode basically becomes, you know, they, they, he stops using the character name and they just call him Jason Siegel because he's supposedly, now he's in the <laughs> thing. It like pulls itself inside out. Uh, at the very end, he's sitting with the other players, Andre 5000 and Sally Field and, uh, an actress whose name I don't recall. And yeah, they're all talking about God. Yeah. This was such a fucking self-congratulatory ending. Why would you do this? And then everybody who helped make the show gathers around them and he's like, yeah, we were all in on this. And so were you. And it's a community. Oh God. I wanted to just firebomb the thing. I was so oh, angry. <laughs> There was so much promise. Circle jerk by the end of that. It's yeah, really, like, it's like you watch the first the ep- first episode or two, and it's got a lot of promise. It really does. You think there is? It's like Lost. It's like the first couple of seasons of Lost, where you go, "Wow, something in the background is really happening that they're alluding to." the 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 tip of this iceberg suggests a lot of ice underwater. There's something going on beyond this. And then when they get to it, you realize, no, there is nothing going on beyond this. And you, it's just, I felt cheated. I was just so angry at this show. Yeah. <laughs> the, only show <laughs> the only show I've seen recently that, that delivers on that, but, but maybe still has gas in the tank, is um, Severance. That's that Apple TV yeah. plus that no one's going to watch. But, but that, there they actually had like a place, a destination in mind, which was yeah. nice. Um. Yeah, that one, yeah, exactly. That one suggests there's some greater, darker depth. And when you get, you know, like down a little deeper, you realize it's there. And <laughs> I mm-hmm. think that one will take a few seasons to have the same level of disappointment, like Lost. Yeah. Did, where you're going to get, they're going to keep opening up. The, the, what I loved about Lost was how they would solve a minor mystery and as a result, create a bigger one and then when they Mm -hmm. have to solve the bigger one they've got an even bigger one it's like the whole point of this is how terrifying it is the further down you go but unfortunately shit has to end so you need to wrap things up severance will either wrap things up or it will end without an ending and either way, yeah, I'm more worried mad. about that. I'm more worried about that because what they did at the season finale is they ended some of it, but they left a whole lot of threads dangling. Mm-hmm. And either they've got a plan 
or they only had that much of it figured out and the rest of it's just threads. You know, we'll see. It, that was a pretty brave ending for season one. I have a feeling they, I, I would find it hard to believe they would do that and not know where they're going. But what I'm more concerned with is all of the severance side projects. Like they're creating a severance universe. And I'm like, is that necessary? No, no. Don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. I don't want I don't want I don't want Ant-Man and Wasp showing up in their own severance. This is stupid. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Uh, Ooh, that's funny. Wasp was in Lost. So my my references have come full circle. That's yeah. all I got. Hey. All right. <laughs> um I've got a theme this week and the theme is good editing. Um, uh-huh. uh, with a little bit of visionary filmmakers thrown in. First of all, I'm not going to harp on this, but Honestly, don't a lot of and maybe this isn't so much for, especially for Eric, but for the audience, don't sleep on Ms. Marvel. Uh, it's actu- actually, God damn you, <laughs> phrasing. Okay, don't sleep with Ms. Marvel either. But um, no, it's a show. It's a, in the Marvel universe, but it actually has a distinct voice and has really good editing and is surprisingly fresh um it's not it's it's not bad it also everyone always bags on origin stories and superheroes i don't know why i think that they're actually some of the better stories in superhero world so it's probably because most of them are all the same it's sort of if i yeah if i may my problem with origin stories isn't the origin stories it's that they don't have anything else It's like the number of times we have to watch uh, Martha Wayne's pearls dropping on the sidewalk is because they can't think of another way to start a Batman story. Yeah. All right. Anyway, movies. Movies by visionary directors who have awesome editors. Let's talk about Edgar Wright and Last Night in Soho. Do we have to? Which I finally got around to seeing. I got through about- Did you see it? I got through about 45 minutes and had to shut it off. It was just terrible. (laughs) Fucking terrible. Edgar Wright, you did me dirty. I'm th- I'm with Edgar Wright for just about anything, even if I don't like it. Though I mean, Baby Driver I, is dumb, but it's still fun yeah. to watch. This is the first Edgar Wright movie that I tried to watch where I just was not hooked at all from the get go. Mm. It just didn't do anything for me. By the time you get into the time travely stuff, I'm just done. I'm like, I don't understand where you're going with this, and I don't fucking care. And so I had to turn it <laughs> off. <laughs> Good soundtrack. So, yeah, though. this Good is soundtrack. Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright being serious uh, is what this is, maybe right? Maybe that's the problem. And yeah. Yeah. He he planned the hell out of every shot. I can tell you that. Like yeah. once again, this thing has been pre-visualized within an inch of its life and all of the needle drops are very on the nose and yet still kind of eclectic. Yeah. Um it's got all of those sensibilities to it. And yeah, it's about um a, a fashion design student who starts seeing visions of a different woman back in the sixties and her adventures in Soho and, and, and it just starts to get weirder and weirder and reality is kind of bent in on itself. Um, it all does resolve and actually make sense by the end. It's just, yeah, it's the, not a fun movie the way all of the Edgar Wright movies have yeah. been. Cause up to that point I'd watched, I rewatched the uh, the well, what's loosely known as the the Cornette trilogy. Uh, so Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and World's End. And mm-hmm. when you watch those three, I mean, they're just they're so fun. 
And then you get to something like this and it just, yeah, there was no sense of fun about it. And I think that's what turned me off just completely. And I'm like, I can't, I, I can't stick with you, Edgar. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was just, ugh. You need, you need a few more people from space involved in uh, his stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. It also flopped. So hopefully he'll go back to making, uh, more fun stuff because that really is, I think his wheelhouse. But I have to give him credit for trying to stretch his wings and taking his signature approach to films into a different genre. Yeah. Um, I was entertained. It, it is, yeah, it's a downer of a movie. It's, it, yeah. <laughs> it just, yeah. Why? It How does just, it end? How does it end? Ruin it. Uh, okay, Ruin spoilers it. for Last Night in Soho. Yeah. I don't know why um, this shit. <laughs> yeah, so basically the girl that she's been flashing back to that she idolizes Turns out was this, you know, wide-eyed, fresh face in, in Soho, and she gets uh, suckered by Matt Smith, who was the 11th Doctor, into being a prostitute, and then she's abused and eventually starts killing the Johns. And, and so the, the twist at the end is that she's the killer mm -hmm. um, and not the one who gets killed. Okay. But... Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's kind of hard to make a light and frothy movie about raping <laughs> whores. I mean, it seemed so. like it seemed like this was Edgar Wright's uh, attempt to be De Palma. I mean, tell, like if I'm wrong, yeah, explain yeah, it to okay. me. But that's that's what it felt like. I guess maybe that's where it started to be off-putting. It's like you're just you're trying a little too hard uh, with this, and so it was. Just I, a little I can too see eager. that. Yeah, there's definitely De Palma um, here for so, sure. Okay. Anyway. Um, switching gears, the other visionary filmmaker with great editing, um, on Eric's recommendation, we went and saw Elvis. Okay. And There's it Lerman. was surprisingly great. I'm on Smoko. Wow. I'm on Smoko. Um, you know, we, we weren't going to go see it because, you know, my wife was like, I don't like Elvis's music. I don't want to sit through a bunch of it. Right. But, but you were down, didn't you? Does you said, this movie deliver? Did you go? Yeah. Well, Eric said it's good. So we're going, <laughs> and then she said, "Okay, fine. I can totally envision." No, it was discussion. more like, "Well, Eric said it's good, and there just aren't any friggin' movies somehow in the summer, <laughs> and we're not watching so, The Gray Man on Netflix." God damn it! No, so we went and saw. It might have been the weekend we didn't see The Gray Man. We went and saw Elvis, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, he does. First of all, the 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 kid who plays Elvis is, I mean, this is going to be a big star-making turn for him. I, I expect an Academy Award nomination for this guy. Um, yeah. Because he I don't think it. there's any justice um, in the world, so I don't believe there will be. I mean, not no, when, uh, what's his only. name, when what's his name wins Best Actor for that Queen movie, and it's nowhere near as good as the Elton John movie. Uh, right. I was just saying. Which it's, gets it's, nothing. It sounds like Taron Egerton yeah. and this kid can probably uh, palaver after the Oscars come out. Taron Egerton was in contention for this role of Elvis, apparently. But um, yeah, they 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 do a great job by by doing remixes with modern um, instrumentation and stuff of Elvis Elvis songs and just incredibly high paced editing and lighting and you know Baz Luhrmann, right? He he yeah. knows what he wants. Um, of creating the excitement and trying to make it feel to a modern audience the w audience the way that Elvis busting onto the scene might have felt, and they wisely pick moments and and dramatize it in a way where Elvis gets to earn his rock and roll credentials. You know, like I think 
I think that for our generation who didn't really grow up with Elvis and didn't witness the shift, he was kind of old hat and trite and didn't have the sort of dangerous edge that rock and roll is supposed to have. And they try to give it back to him in this film in a way that I think works. Well, didn't uh, uh, when, so, Eric, yeah. when Eric was talking about it uh, a, a show or two ago, you brought up that a lot of it is centered on the 68 comeback special. And that I like that whole notion because that is if you've never seen the 68 comeback special, holy Christ, it is good. And it's literally mm-hmm. a guy that's obviously been languishing in Hollywood for like 10 years going, I'm back, bitches. I mean, that's his calling card. And it, yeah. and it has that flair. So I can imagine what Boz Lerman would do with something like that. Yeah. The, the 68 special. And it's not just the music. There are p- whole parts in there where he's ha- like he's bullshitting with the other musicians. You know, like, and telling him, yeah. like, about how he wasn't allowed to shake his hips on TV. So I just shake my lip. I just shake my lip like that. I just do the <laughs> with my lip. And it's funny. Uh, but what I love about the this Elvis movie is it is art versus commerce and how he just got bent over by commerce. He didn't see it coming. Yeah. Whether or not this is true doesn't matter. It is, it is a movie, ultimately. That just happens to use people who existed, but it's about how commerce will win in the end because it's evil, kind of like yeah. Republicans. Well, yeah, wasn't that the the Great Gatsby? I don't know. Mm, sure, I mean, I'm this just, is Elvis, yeah. but yeah, I'm just the, being, the, yeah, there's a very extended bit about the Vegas residency and and how all that goes down, and you know, there's a fun little repeating gag in there. Um, no, just just check it out, Elvis. Definitely um, pleasant surprise. Probably, the, I mean, right up there, top top three movies of the summer. Easy. Really? Yeah. In, in a desolate, horrible summer. But yes, <laughs> see it. <laughs> so, so the bar's low, but Elvis rates high. The bar's low. Okay. It's like this and okay. Top Gun. But oh, yeah, God. okay. Oh, God. Okay. That's the fresh shit, everybody. Whose choice was this? So one? this was Eric's, right? This is Eric. This was mine. I, I ma- saw. What made uh, you do this? I I, I saw it in, in in the list uh list of movies in on Prime that I you know could potentially make you guys watch, and okay. I knew it had to be something uh, where we each had the same service. Okay. So tell, tell the audience the name of the movie. <laughs> uh, it's Mike builds a maze. Dave, that right? Dave made a maze. Dave made, Dave a, maze. made a maze. You don't even Thanks. know the title of the movie. Oh, shit. No, <laughs> of course they don't know the title. I watched it last night. Uh, Dave made a maze, and it's a, it's a guy who makes basically a box fort in his uh, living room, with that in the living room of the apartment he shares with his girlfriend, and uh, it's bigger on the inside than it is on the outside, and it's full of traps, and all of his friends come over to help him get out because he can't get out. Then they yeah. just decide, fuck it, we'll go in, despite his warnings. And it's full of traps, yeah. and uh, they have to find their way to him. And ultimately, it's, it's a, uh, I think, a metaphor for being in your 30s and having no more options and just wanting to do something. <laughs> well, yeah. Just wanting to yeah. create something, I, even I, though, you know, like, the fun part of your life is just goddamn done. Yeah. I think well, it's yes, also a big thing in here about millennials. Anything. Yeah, a big yeah. thing in here about millennials and how their universe was ruined by boomers. And now, <laughs> you know, they they can't exactly go out and start building their lives because everything's been decimated. Yeah. So that's, so the, that's the thing. The, the thing yeah. that Eric's glo- like not mentioned, which is really obvious if you watch the trailer, 
and watch the trailer, you'll know if you're in for this movie or not, is that the the maze is made of cardboard boxes, and so once we go into the maze, all the sets and many of the characters are just made out of cardboard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the special effects are made out of cardboard and string and stuff. And when people start getting killed, the blood they're killed is by yarn. cardboard axes. And yeah. yeah, their blood is yarn. And it's it's so lo-fi and brilliant. Yeah. Um, it, it was yeah. very refreshing that it was all done practically. I mean, I applaud anybody in this day and age that issues uh, the CGI stuff. You know what I'm saying? What's interesting... They, they worked with, this is a real thing, the Institute of Cardboard Technology in San Francisco to nice, nice. basically create stuff to put into this movie. It was a bunch of craftsmen working on a bunch of practical effects out of cardboard and stuff. They didn't have more than two sets built at a time because right. they didn't have that much space. And yeah. while they're shooting one thing, they're building the next 10 things. It's... It is so elaborate and beautiful. I mean, the, what I, the story is not really the point. I think the story is well done, but the story is about as small as it should be. It's really art. It's really just fun to watch and yeah. to see how you make a goddamn movie out of just cardboard. Well, yeah. yeah I, so I actually brought this to the show as fresh shit back in 2020, because this is one that I paid to like stream during the pandemic. Uh, I think it was episode 139 back in June of 2020. Um, and what I was saying at the time was, this is a guy showing, this is like a, an audition piece. This is a director and an editor saying, look how great we are at like cinematic language and editing and communicating ideas with friggin' nothing. Please hire us and give us money. Yeah, really. You know? <laughs> Well, it was just, I, I was astonished by just everything that it took to make something like this. Because like you're saying, it's like they're, they're getting people involved, building the sets, tearing them down, building the new set, tearing it down. But some of the sets where you go in, like they, they do the, the trash pit and it's got like that weird Zardoz head made out of cardboard on the wall that's just belching mm. trash. The origami room. Yeah. Yes. And... You, and that's fairly early on in the film, and it's just so off-putting, but at the same time, just magical. I don't know. It's a fine line that they're walking here, and that's literally the whole movie for me. It's like it just goes right up to the point of being twee, but it just takes a dive into the dark end. And I just every scene was like that, and I just thought that's a that's like watching Fantastic Mr. Fox almost. I mean, it's just sort of that Wes Anderson-y. Yeah. Art design within an inch of its life, but there's a lot going on outside of that. But that's sort of the draw. And so it was 82 minutes of just this constant, what's the next set going to be like? And oh, what's that one going to be yeah. like? And that was sort of the throw, yeah. flow through for me was I really wanted to see what they were going to do next. The story does not really um, deviate much. They just keep going through and seeing weird shit. Until somebody says, and I think in that way it starts to lag a little when they realize they don't have anywhere to go. Right. But then when they're like, okay, we'll we'll build the part that's the the supposed to be the power source so that we can destroy the power source. And once we do that, <laughs> I'm like, that's kind of a fun idea. Yeah. You know? well, this is literally a movie about itself. Yeah. Right? Like, so, so the movie is about a guy 
who has been struggling to create something and he's finally got something and he's finally got something worth creating and it's this giant monstrosity that's ruining the lives of everyone around him. <laughs> um, it's a movie about you know how stupid filmmakers are because there's this documentary crew that, that is there to make fun of the filmmakers and then ultimately at the end they realize, oh, all we have is a movie with a bunch of scenes but it doesn't have a heart and the only way to end this movie is to find the heart of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, this movie is about the creative process of making it, I think. <laughs> no, I think that's fair. I think hey, that's fair. entirely fair. Yeah. Uh, but other, the other thing that got me through, though, and this, was, this is sort of a, a side issue. Have you guys ever seen the movie from the 90s, the horror flick called Cube? at all oh yeah or you yep. heard of it oh yeah, yeah that's yeah basically this was like a sweeted version of cube to me it's sort of like yeah you're tra- i was thinking you're, the you're same trapped thing in that. <laughs> and and it worked on a whole lot of levels for that too because you're in this like weird booby trap byzantine thing you're not going to get out of and you have actual peril like you're maybe not make it right. out and uh but it's so just fluffy and cute and sweet the way they do it that it just sort of was a nice little twist on that sort of horror genre i was, I was also I was also thinking of the back rooms, which is that creepy pasta I mentioned like a few episodes back that mm-hmm. is where you get trapped in this office area that's ever expanding. A- and this is kind of that only it's cute, cool looking stuff. Yeah. And it it's like you can you can spend more time sort of enjoying the weirdness of it rather right. than being terrified of it. Yeah. Well, I think the the stakes Even the are death is not that deathly. Yeah, I was going to say that's the the stakes are sort of lower when you get like decapitations, but it's kind of cute because it's like the head falls yeah. off, well, but then I mean, it's like the, the yard and stuff. do in fact die, right. right? Like it's not like they tear the maze down and then everybody crawls out of the cardboard. Yeah. And say, yeah. Wow, that was weird. Yeah. No, they die. Yeah, yeah. and they, they don't just... explain it. They don't bother explaining yeah. it. It's like I I was wondering, does that mean there's bodies in that cardboard? Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. Yeah. You know, people are gonna yeah. ask where and those Minotaur, people went. Apparently. Yeah, probably. Uh, but yeah, there's just I like a lot of the scenes. But then the flow through is there's like a, a Minotaur loose uh, in it, and then that's when they start talking about well, Minotaurs are in labyrinths. It's like so then they start talking about the pedantic nature of well, did he make a maze or is this a labyrinth? And they start like like thinking it through on that level and it's like you're you're having an argument about nothing at this point it's just yeah it's a maze it's a labyrinth whatever where's the minotaur coming from i don't know they literally say that i don't know and so that's the flow <laughs> through and so i think that's just uh like brian was saying it's you're you're it, it's about creating the art even if you don't have a plan for that art sometimes it just sort of takes on a life of its own and sometimes you just hit that dead end and you're like ah fuck <laughs> that's what this movie is to me so it's it's so, equally frustrating but also uh heartwarming consistently together. i was reading an interview with the director of this of this movie and he made it back in 2017 and it's been slowly getting you know released to different platforms over the last few years and it's the only thing he's done as a director he's he's been a musician and an actor and a number of things but but uh he was talking about exactly that and he was saying that yeah everybody Everybody involved in this movie was like, oh shit, this is like about me and what I go through. And, <laughs> and to some degree right. it was, because like the guy who wrote it wrote it with his friends in mind as the cast. Right. And, and they made it just, you know, on the cheap. All the cardboard they got for free from like stores at the mall nice. and stuff. I mean, uh, so it, it was done on an absolute shoestring budget. Um, when there was the scene, the first scene where there was the decapitation and like this, this cardboard axe chops off this woman's head. 
um, I guess they had rigged up this whole pneumatic system to to shoot the the yarn or whatnot, and it didn't work, and so they just got a leaf blower and blew the yarn around. (laughs) I mean, you do what you got to do when you're making these things. But it's a. It makes me sad he hasn't gotten another another um, thing made though, because this is a hell of a calling card. Well, maybe did it not feel like this was a? I mean, it predates the pandemic, but it totally felt like a pandemic film because there was a limited cast, limited sets, trapped and yeah, yeah. I I I think actually it was made for the pandemic. Maybe maybe it's getting its cult following now because so many people were sitting at home watching a movie about what a guy does when he's just sitting at home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe that, that too. That was how it, I saw it, June of 2020. Well, maybe it also <laughs> so. becomes sort of a weird uh, parable for the pandemic because it's like uh, he's isolated. He builds this sort of way to like keep himself amused, and then as friends and family start coming into it, it's like they start getting into jeopardy because now they're in close proximity. I mean, it, it you could read it as like a weird cautionary tale for the pandemic era. I mean, it's just got a lot of mm-hmm. weird weird levels you could read into it if you really want to. But ultimately, I think it's just about how the creative process is uncontrollable. I mean, you'd really have no say in it once you start an opportunity like this. Can I do a quick sidebar? Like, this is way off topic, but you're talking about, you know, movies made for the pandemic or or, or at least during the pandemic. And I have not watched this yet, but I've seen the trailer for this Sandman series Uh from the Neil Gaiman uh, graphic novel. and Obviously, this thing was filmed during the pandemic because at no point during the trailer do I actually think that two actors are occupying the same space. <laughs> Hazard of the trade. Like, it just really looks like everyone was shot individually. Nice. <laughs> right. It's Sorry. Uh, back, to, back to Dave Made a Maze, but yeah. Um, so, have either of you guys ever watched the, the BBC show The Mighty Boosh? Yeah. Okay. Uh, that reminded me a lot of this. Like I, I could see like if if the Mighty Boosh guys, I could see them doing like the that. Cube, yeah, because they the the aesthetic is very similar. They do all these like crazy fantasy sequences, but they do it with like these goofy, artsy, crafty sorts of yeah. uh, design aesthetic, and it totally fit. It's sort of like this is sort of like an Americanized version of an extended Mighty Boosh skit to me, and that's what it felt like. I could actually see now that you say that i could see mighty boosh having done a season you know because they they, each season would be just a departure from the last setup Mm -hmm. and have the setup being that you know howard comes home and finds that you know (laughs) he's what's his name again vince noir night yeah yeah his 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 buddy like makes the the fort in their apartment goes in and then the whole season is them walking around finding you know bizarre shit made out of cardboard but what would made that nicer is you only need 30 minutes and you're only shooting for laughs. You don't yeah. need to end it. The problem with a film is always, yeah, we've got, we've got to, we've got to wrap this thing up. I well, like in this film, how they're there, you know, it seems to center again on this guy who doesn't have a job and, you know, lives in his girlfriend's apartment and feels demasculated having nothing else. And so he just wanted to create for the sake of, you know, doing something with his time because yeah. there's nothing to do anymore well, i like the interaction and her too hearing when, that and realizing oh my loser boyfriend yeah. isn't a loser boyfriend he's a victim of you know yeah. the economy but i think it was like when they they first find him in there and he's going it's like i told you guys not to come in here she's like we're the rescue party you dick 
<laughs> it's like that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. And that's, and so you kind of see where they're coming at loggerheads because it's like, well, he's in a totally different headspace than you are at this point in time because he's been trapped in this thing for three days. Uh, but then they even touch on, how do you go to the bathroom? Do you go to the bathroom? He's like, I'm not going to shit on my own floor. I mean, it's like they, they cover the basics really well, but in like throw off ways that uh, don't make you linger on it. And then they can get into the little adventure. Uh, but when they yeah. zip through the hole and then become like the, the paper sack puppets, I thought like, okay, oh we, are, we are so far off the rails now and I'm here for it. I got to tell you, because it's just like for just no reason, they're now actually part of the maze as the creatures. I mean, it was so ridiculous, but so charming. That's, uh, what about the, the, the British period drama? That one was weird. It's like, what's that? Oh, it's a British period drama. It's like a black and white film that they oh, could yeah, have yeah, shot yeah, with yeah. a Super 8 camera. And then they start turning black and white as they're watching it. What was the reference though? Because they, like, they're getting... they all kept going, did you sorry, fuck my ahead. wife? Did you fuck my wife? And they start saying it like it's a thing. And I, I didn't know what that was from. Do you know? <laughs> I don't. I just know that nope. it, it paid off in the end with the cameraman <laughs> and his only line being, you fucked my wife before he gets killed. Yeah. Ugh. So goofy. Uh. I think my favorite set piece, though, and I was really very impressed with it, was when they go into the room that's actually the diorama, and it's that forced perspective shit, and they start fucking with it to show you, like, this is not what it seems, and so they're, like, playing with the picture that should be on the wall, but it's actually right up by the camera, and and this and that. I'm like, oh, shit, that's genius. That must have taken forever to stage. Oh, my God. Apparently, so. they probably only had like a day to shoot it. So, <laughs> really, that's impressive. Yeah, like Hats everything off. they'd shot, like everything in that origami room, they shot in half a day, and then they shot other stuff that you were talking about that earlier. That's like, yeah, this thing was made just shooting from the hip. Yeah. So, Hats, that they pulled the thing off. off like that shot, yeah, is, is ridiculous. Well, I will say, like, if this was made in the 90s, this would have been right in my wheelhouse because I was doing a shit ton oh, yeah. of uh, the art house indie stuff. Back in the and day when we would have been high. Well, yeah, it's going to say high as fuck half the time, but <laughs> this maybe would have been even that much better. But I as watching it. That's what it struck me like. This is definitely a throwback to that sort of renaissance of indie film that we went through. Uh, so it's amazing that it even got made in this day and age because it's so unique. It's like, and, but it's obviously indie because you couldn't take this to a studio. There's no way a studio would go, Oh sure. We'll give you a $5 million. Go make this. It's like, there's no way. There's no way this would get paid. So I'm Unless glad it was somebody... MTV Films, because this felt like Joe's apartment, too. Yeah, that sort bit. of yeah, yeah, low-level, yeah. just go for it kind of... But again, 90s, yeah. you know, uh, when they were w- willing to let people do shit. Yeah. Oh, that would have been one of those where somebody made like a five-minute short, and then they're like, dude, make a movie of it. But as far as I know, this was just a movie. Yeah. yeah. So, damn. So, good on you. But yeah, this is, uh, this is probably the, the best designed movie i have seen in forever today uh probably since like uh i don't know grand budapest hotel or something or maybe french dispatch it's got a very anderson equality mm-hmm. about it because it's so minute detail oriented uh so you can kind of see that aesthetic at play but i i definitely applaud the analog nature of it because i'm i'm kind of bored with the cgi stuff at this stage so it's nice to see when somebody everyone slaps. is yeah nothing means anything anymore yeah so it's like instead of like well we can just post the the minotaur in there it's like no you're gonna put a muscly guy with a cardboard head 
<laughs> running yeah. around. That's <laughs> that's what we're going to do. Okay, I'm here for it. So, yeah, well done. Well done. I applaud you. Yeah. I applaud you. <laughs> Would you watch it again, Eric? I will. I will. I'm sure of it. Hundreds of times? I mean, five times. I don't know. I guess it depends on how the I, second way goes. Yeah, right? <laughs> I, I didn't rewatch it for this episode because I've seen it twice. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I did rewatch it. Uh, I probably would watch it again at some point in the future if I'm looking for something, you know, and it's it's available. Uh, I recommend it. Yeah, I would. Because remember when you watched uh, you watched Bottle Rocket a, f- a few weeks ago? And uh, yeah, we talked about that. And I said that was like one of my feel good Prozac movies. I feel like Dave Made a Maze might work into that portion of my film diet oh sure it's like just you need a good uplifting yeah. movie watch dave made a maze i sure i could see it living right alongside movies like labyrinth or time bandits in terms of just like right you know fantastical not high-tech awesome visions right you know <laughs> it's it's there yeah so good on you <laughs> if only more movies could could work that aesthetic Get on it, Hollywood. I, I still though I still want to see uh Howard and Vince and Sabu in, in in you know roaming around in that thing. But there's gotta be a way to get another mighty boosh season before <laughs> they steal this whole thing. Yeah, really. I'd be there for it. I love that show so much. So Yeah. There you have it. All right. Ugh. Dave's not here, man. Well Dave's not we here. We did another one. Hey folks, yeah. um if you've made it this far in the podcast and you haven't hunted down Chris's home address to put his cat in a box of a cardboard maze so that it gets lost forever and you've just been listening to it me out through the show, good on you. That's through Tell the door. Tell us about your experience. That was through Contact the door, us. That was through the door. <laughs> you, can, you can reach out to us on Twitter. We're at MagHuge, M-A-G-H-U-G-E. You can find us on Facebook or Instagram with the Magnificently Huge podcast. You can email us, uh, magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com. Uh, don't remember any of that. Just remember maghuge.com. Go to that website. It's got links to do all of those things. And, of course, it's a podcast. So please subscribe. Share it on social media feeds. Write it on iTunes. You know how to do it. Yeah. And if you do all that, you'll hear us next week when we come back with more. Yeah. My cat will still be a dick, though. I apologize. It's true. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> uh, don't <laughs> strangle your cats, Little people. Asshole. Don't strangle your cats. Uh, uh.